From Nevada Public Radio, I'm Joe Shaneman. It's State of Nevada. Joe Lombardo just went through his first two weeks as governor during a legislative session. Before the session, he'd outlined his goals in his State of the State address. He wants to be known as the education governor. And some of his ideas have resonated with Democrats, but Democrats have also declared some of them non-starters. Then again, there is a lot of time between now and the end of the session in about three and a half months. And if you followed the legislature every two years, you know just about anything can happen. And with that, Governor Joe Lombardo, welcome to State of Nevada. My pleasure, Joe. Good hearing from you. It's great to have you here. So what has it been like so far? Uh, is it a honeymoon so far? Um, I wouldn't use that word. but it, <laughs> uh, I, I guess drinking from a fire hose is a better description. <laughs> really? You, you mean- get your arms wrapped around the the different forms and function of government that, you know, obviously I, I didn't have experience in my previous profession, uh, but it still boils down to managing people, right? Yeah. People, processes, and policies. So, Yeah. You know, Joe, I know a little about, about your style. I, I followed you and you and I have talked actually before your first election. I remember we met at a, a coffee bean and tea leaf, if you don't remember yeah. that. Yeah. And, and you are somebody known as somebody who likes to base decisions on statistical information. You want to have the data. You're dealing now with politicians. And even though the statistics might be there, they don't always follow them. They might say or do whatever they think the voters like just to get reelected. I wonder how you think your way of management might change things in the state. Yeah, you're right in your description and and. Quite often in politics, it's based on whether they perceive a re-election in the horizon or how the voters will perceive their decision or or their process. And more importantly, I, I you know, one thing I've learned over time, Joe, is is a lot of people make their decisions based on re-election in that piece, and yep. and and. And not not for the right reasons or even for the right thing to do. And I think I'm more inclined to do it for the right reasons and the right thing to do uh, when I make decisions. I want to do uh, re-election is is way in the back of mind for me. I'm more uh, involved in the initial processes and and how we can function the state moving forward for the next four years. And if if re-election happens as a result of my decisions, um, um, that's even better. But if it doesn't, um, I still got to hold true to what I believe in. And uh, before we get into some of the particular issues, you are a Republican governor walking into a legislative session with a near Democratic supermajority. Have you spoken to or had any meetings with Democratic leadership yet? Yeah, absolutely. It's going, it's an ongoing uh, process. And I've had several meetings with the leadership. And as we speak, I'm, um, individually meeting with all the legislatures in the next two weeks, two to three weeks, uh, just, just to say hello, uh, meet and greet, shake their hands and remind them of my priorities and to listen to their priorities. Um, so I, I think what I've said in the past and publicly is for us to be successful because of that um, majority on one side and then the governor on the other side is we're going to have to have a a robust communication and ensure that we're meeting the middle somewhere um, for, yeah, because it all boils down to the benefit of Nevadans mm-hmm. and the state of Nevada. And, and quite often the, the politics gets in the way of that. And, and we have to realize that. Yeah. And if people don't realize it, you have, it doesn't matter if the Dem- Democratic legislature wants something and they pass it to you, you have, 
the power to veto it, and they do not yet have a supermajority, so they can't overturn that. So there's going to have to be compromise. I mean, I think that's the way everybody's looking at this legislature this year. You're, you're right in what you described. But more importantly, people still have to, even if they're a Democrat or Republican, and here's the problem with the system. They're, they're, they're not voting for what they believe in. They're, they're voting because of the party affiliation. And we got to get away from that uh, for success and in the legislature, more importantly, mm-hmm. you know, so, you know, yeah, there's razor thin margins on the supermajority, but, you know, I think it's more important to realize that the Democrats can come across the aisle too, you know, just like the Republicans and uh, for us to have success across the board. And, and I think people hearing that, people might be heartened by hearing a politician, especially one at your seat, saying something like that. Again, Governor Joe Lombardo is with us. He's the first Republican governor in four years, and he will face uh, Democratic majorities in the Assembly and the Senate. But as you just heard him say, he's really hoping people reach across the aisle and come to pragmatic solutions for some of the issues facing the state. So let's talk about some some of your priorities. Uh, Schools. What do you want to do with schools? You want to put an additional $2 billion into our schools why has that become your priority? Well, I think everything revolves around education at the foundation of society and, and quality of life and what we're trying to achieve. And currently, we're, we're, we have a, a, a void of workforce occupation. Um, and what I mean by that is there's, there's two jobs for every unemployed person currently in the state of Nevada. And but a lot of those jobs require a certain level of qualifications to occupy that space because we're trying to expand past, you know, your traditional service jobs and and, and more diversification in the economy. Uh, So you have some, you know, more of a a qualifications associated with occupying job space and, you know, engineers and, and different, you know, labor, labor positions, you know, in, in the trades, the building trades. And education is the foundation of that. And we've seen a void of our direction in the education space in Nevada over the last couple of decades. And I'm, I'm a, a direct product of it. I went to public high school in, um, in the state of Nevada and there was trade development in all the schools. And then they, they centralized it down to uh, just certain number of schools. And then, you know, we, we thought computer uh, science was going to solve all the you know, the world's woes. Yeah. And we've all suffered as a result of that. And that's across the board. It's not just state of Nevada. It's, it's, it's across the country, you know? So we, we, here we are reaching out to different companies to put roots into the state of Nevada, but they don't have the labor force. And that's been their biggest ed- issue, educating a, a, a workforce, a labor force, and and or bringing in uh, people into the uh, labor force because there's a void of it in the state of Nevada. So education, all that boils down to education, diversifying the economy, uh, public safety, and education. Education breeds opportunities and vision. Um, with, with the lack of it, it, you know, people resort to drastic measures to, to provide for their families. And that, you know, quite often relates to criminal activity. So it all comes together with that salient point. And so in the last decade, not decades, decades, uh, we keep hearing the proverbial rating of the education system in Nevada is, oh, yeah. you know, in you know 49 50 48 whatever it may be it's detrimental and we have to concentrate on that we got to make it a priority we have to identify the the failures and and some processes and programs for success 
and put all our efforts into that. And that's subsequently why I said, you know, I'm running off the backbone of education uh, when I decided to run for governor. Really interesting what you just said in there. Something I have said for years, but I never hear politicians say it. And that is there's research that shows a direct correlation between a higherly, a, a, a more educated uh, community and lower crime. I wonder how much of, you know, you you were a police officer for decades, you were sheriff. I wonder how much of your view on the politics of the state and, and really sort of different areas of the state can are influenced by the fact that you fought crime for decades. Well, I think that's the reason why I got elected, right? Um, the people said, hey, you know, in the early throes of the campaign, um, there was a, an ignorance on my on my ability or my resume because they said, hey, you know, he's a cop, but, you know, being the governor is a complete different position. There's 150 spokes in the wheel versus, you know, two, three or four. And does, do we, I have the capacity to assimilate that and, and make decisions and provide leadership to move the state forward. And then, you know, after I got out there and, and told my story and, and people realized the breadth of my responsibility as the sheriff in Clark County and, and all the nuances of running that uh, big business, it, it equates to the daily lives of people that live in the state of Nevada and what they're trying to achieve personally. Uh, so I believe that's why we were successful because I was, I personally believe I was successful. Hopefully you believe I was successful as, as the Clark County Sheriff and, and, and providing that quality of life for the Clark County residents. And, and in tune, they, they could see the vision of providing that across the state. And so you mentioned it, you know, law enforcement and criminal activity and, and everything that goes along with a, a safe and sound and prosperous society is that is it's synonymous. And then you, you bring it down to the, its infancy, um, and that's education. Mm -hmm. so, so, Governor Lombardo, does, does that way of thinking play into your proposal to double the amount of money for opportunity scholarships? And for those who don't know what that is, that's money for families making less than $83,000 a year so they could put their child in a private school. Is that part of it? Yes, absolutely. That's part of it. And I'll back up a minute and I'll talk about opportunities in just a second, but I want to go back to that $2 billion number you, you stated. And yeah, um, you know, so what do we always heard you and me and everybody else, you know, more money isn't going to solve the problem, but uh, more money is part of the problem. And there's always been an excuse for our failures. Uh, well, we don't have the per pupil funding uh, amounts that other jurisdictions have to have successful education programs. So let's remove that excuse. Let's put the money into the system that we can provide resources for the educators to provide to the kids and, and infrastructure uh, uh, to the education system. Uh, so that's not an excuse. So we're removing one, one uh, you know, leg of the stool of excuses. And the second one is, is choice. We quite often talk about school choice. And it's not as simple as saying, you know, uh, open zoning or removal or zip codes from where you live because there still has to be space, right? So if you if you expand upon the traditional, you know, curriculum or the public education system you know, where you move into charter schools, you where you, uh, you move into homeschooling, micro schools, and 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 all the nuances of education to include private schooling, uh, you're increasing those opportunities. And what traditionally happens in public school space, Joe, and you know this more than anybody else, is 
is in the depressed areas, the economic challenged areas, you know, you, you tend to have uh, brand new teachers that go there. So the seniority and teacher and ability, um, they move into uh, more affluent areas because of their quality of life or work or whatever the reasons may be. And, and there's not a system to fix that. And so what we have to do is expand upon the choices of the kids to move out into, and so they're not restricted by their environment. You know, we've talked with the teachers union about this, with the the uh, head of the former head of the PTA for Nevada about this. Both of them have said, you know, we'll talk about it. But we've talked to Democrats who say, yeah, they don't think taking away any money away from the taxpayers of public schools is the way to go. I wonder if you have something that you think you'll be able to compromise with on that point. Well, you're not necessarily taking away money. Um, so the, the, it's all based off the pupil-centered funding formula. So that whatever that amount is, in, in my proposal, I believe the first amount was $12,300. Um, that, that is intended to follow the students. So it, it, do, it doesn't take away from anybody. Um, and, and I understand what their side mm-hmm. of the argument is, is is but that system has failed us okay so you got to open open yourself up to other options and to see it so and and and, and you mentioned it earlier i i i appreciate data i like science I, I like all the data points that goes towards programs whether you know you can't determine whether it's successful unless you can measure it yeah and you look across the nations in similar situated uh, school systems where there are is choice uh they've had better success uh, so in our current system, we keep talking about it. We're not seeing any change in numbers. Yeah. I want to go to one more thing about education. Uh, the, just this week, the Department of Education in the state introduced a bill that would, if it gets approved, increase the number of students per teacher. And for years, we've heard that just the opposite is needed, that classrooms in Nevada, especially in Clark County, are too too crowded. The Department of Education is in your cabinet. What's behind that proposal? It's just, it's the nature of the beast. Uh, I guess that's the best way I'd say it. You know, it, it, you know, if you, if you equate it to the criminal world, when you, when you talk about enforcing laws, unless you got resources to enforce the laws, it's just, it's rhetoric, right? And when we talk about student teacher ratios in the state of Nevada, we, I think we were one of the highest in the state of Nevada. And, and this is an arbitrary number because there, there's, there's laws put in place that you have to maintain a certain ratio. But if you don't have the teachers to put into the system uh, to diminish the ratio or you don't have infrastructure to put into the system to provide space for the ratios, it's just a mood argument. Okay. This, this is nothing more than... Um, uh, removing some of the redundant policies or the the, the, the unnecessary policies to, to, to concentrate on what the need is and the need is ratios. So, and, so do you think if the Nevada or Clark County School District was able to hire more teachers, which is very difficult for, for Nevada to do, but really it's around the country, the need to increase the number of students per teacher would be decreased? Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's the whole teacher pipeline argument. Okay. And, and, you know, it's, it's, it's sad uh, that, that that is part of the equation, but that's the nature of the beast that we're dealing with in the state of Nevada. And, and one of the arguments is, well, so, some of that money has got to be allocated to teacher, you know, benefits and pay. And, and I agree with that. I agree with that. you got to make it amenable for them to come into the space and and right now it's not and part of that has to do directly with the ratios so we you know when you look at teacher pay in totality 
Um, we're, we're very well situated in the state of Nevada, but when you look at the ratio, we're at the bottom of the barrel, just like our rating. And I think it's all, um, you know, three legs of the stool that has to work together. Senate Majority Leader Nicole Canizaro submitted a proposal this week to prevent state agencies from cooperating with other states that want to prosecute somebody from getting reproductive care or an abortion in Nevada. Abortion was a major issue during this campaign. Would you support Canizaro's goal, stopping state agencies here from cooperating with other states who want to prosecute people for coming here to get an abortion? Yes, I would. But with that being said, as long as it's a clean bill and it it, it says exactly what you just said, yeah, um, you know, what happens in government and when bills are presented, quite often amendments are thrown on them um, because people want to get their projects involved in the bill and because they see success at, at the backbone of the bill. And I want to ensure that doesn't happen. Um, because in changes in totality of the abortion question needs to be a vote of the people. Uh, but this particular item involving abortions, I could support if it stands on its own. You know, Joe, I've never had a chance to talk with you after the October 1st shooting. Uh, I wonder if I could ask you a question about that. Sure. Well, a- after that shooting, um, you were you were sheriff. It was the deadliest mass shooting in modern history, the Route 91 Music Festival massacre. How did that affect you? You know, I've had that question. It actually put me on my heels when that question was presented to me in the past. Because, you know, I'm, my concern is always for the, the victims of, of the, uh, the crisis. And quite often people don't get asked that are involved in it, you know, how, how it affects them. And I appreciate you asking it. Um, it was a very difficult question for me to answer. Um, it, how it affected me is, could I have done something different? Could I have prevented it from happening? And, you know, and you go through those nuances and lose sleep over it and and making sure you're doing the right thing as a leader of an agency that has influence on outcomes. Um, That's how it affected me to make sure that I eternally, constantly evaluate myself and never get comfortable and have an understanding, you know, you can never what if every scenario, mm-hmm. but if there, if the scenario does happen, have I done everything to uh, respond to it appropriately and timely enough and ensure that um, we are um, the safety and the benefit of the people that I serve is utmost of importance and remove all the selfish uh, factors associated with it. Because, uh, you know, when, when when I say that, Joe, when you say selfish factors, you're like, well, what about me? Oh, this is going to make me look bad. And, and that's the wrong way to look at it. You, I think the other way to look at it is how can I make it better? People hearing you say that are going to wonder what you think about gun control laws that have been passed in Nevada. Bump stocks, red flag registration, uh, legislation, uh, ghost guns that's in course right now. Do you think the state's efforts on gun control are adequate? Do you support what's been done? Yeah, I support what's been done. Um, obviously, that's a, a continual question, and, and technology changes in that space, and so you constantly have to evaluate it. And I, I was presented this question here recently, and and what I've always said from the very beginning is uh, we would be a lot more successful in, in that space if the prosecution of the individuals uh, that utilize guns that commit harm is is robust 
Uh, there's a lot of laws on the books that address guns and the use of guns and, and the nefarious acts associated with guns. Uh, and if we would do that, I think it would change the mental attitude of people out there intending to commit harm across the board. You know, the, the bigger question is on gun control on, on the other aspects that you presented, red flags and ghost guns and all that. that that's more discussion that needs to be had. Um, but in the front end, if, if we enforce the laws that are on the books, I think we'd be more successful in society. Governor Joe Lombardo, it has been a pleasure talking with you. Joe, can we get you on more? Yeah, I can make that promise to you, Joe. Well, I know you're this busy. Was t- this was a test for you. <laughs> well, it was a test for you, too, and you did a great job. I want to thank you so much for your time. I know you're really busy. The legislative session is really uh, heating up. So uh, thank you so much. I appreciate your time, Joe. Good, good talking to you and hope you're well. You too. This is State of Nevada.